0: There are so many men out there looking for a path looking for guidance a lot of men are just paralyzed they're just stuck they've stopped dreaming what would you say to those men so reuben you've and you've done some amazing things in life you're a four-time olympian and uh, you're going for it again you want to be uh, the oldest olympian on record. That's yeah. right. That's it, uh, man. Oldest winter. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. the,
1: the record right now is from the 1924 Olympics, uh, 58-year-old Swedish curler. Okay? Wow. And so I'm 61 now, and I'll be 63 in the next Olympics. So uh, yeah, if I, if I make the cut, I'll be breaking a 100-year-old record, and i will be the first five decades, 80s, 90s. 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. And that, that one, I think it'll be, that record will be around for a long
0: time, I think. Brother, I think so. That's <laughs> spectacular. I, I haven't even been alive for five decades. You've been right? going to the Olympics <laughs> that long. Man, that's that's absolutely amazing. What What is it about you or what is it in you that drives you towards that? When I was 10, well, even before I was
1: 10, I used to read adventure books. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Around the World in 80 Days, all these books about kids that led adventurous lives. And before long, I had my antenna looking for my adventure. And when I was 10 years old, I saw the Olympics for the first time on TV, and I was hooked. And what drew me to the Olympic athletes, uh, it was never about the medals for me. That's kind of weird, right? But what drew me to them was their spirit. I thought, wow, this is a group of people that are willing to train for years and years, no guarantees of success, and then some of them make it. I thought, you got to be so strong, put yourself through that. And they became my heroes. I put them up on a pedestal, and I just want to be one of those guys. I want wow. to be one of those guys. And um, and But I was always the last kid picked for PE. Not a great athlete at <laughs> all, okay? Not follow, false modesty. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bulldog <laughs> mentally, but, boy, I'm a slowpoke. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't believe it was possible, right. and uh, I didn't do anything. My dad got fed up after a while. He said, Ruben, you like to read books. Why don't you read some biographies? Study the lives of great people. You'll figure out what you know how to reach your dream." Wow. What I kept seeing was when I read these biographies. First thing I realized was these are true life adventures, right? So I liked them right away. And then I noticed I see patterns real well for some reason. I noticed all these stories are the same story. You know, somebody had a dream. They went through a struggle, and then they had a victory. Those dream, struggle, victory, wow. right? And what I kept seeing they had in common was perseverance. They refused to quit. They're a bunch of hardheads, right? My mom always called me a hardhead. I actually thought that was my middle name for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe I have a little bit of what it takes. And at 12 years old, I just decided, because success is a decision, right? Sooner or later, you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you just you know, start doing what you were afraid. And um, I decided, hey, from today on, Ruben doesn't quit anything, right? Because quitting's the end of your dream. Perseverance, no guarantees, but at least you still got a shot. Wow! And so, my high school, my nickname was Bulldog. Other kids started calling me Bulldogs. I was tenacious. And when I was 21, uh, and and I found a sport that I, you know, that that, that I thought would fit me. Uh, I picked the sport. I reverse engineered it. Okay, I. 21. I see Scott Hamilton win the gold medal, right? And he's a little tiny guy from Nashville. And
0: what was his sport?
1: He was a figure skater. He was a figure skater. About okay. About 110 pounds, soaking wet, right? Okay. What drew me to him? <laughs> uh, I saw this interview before his before his competition. He says, I'm a figure skater, but I don't wear sequins. <laughs> There's actually a picture on, you know, where he's cutting the sequins out of his suit. I, I, thought, Ooh, I like this guy. And Ugh. so he wins, right? And he gave me hope. I thought, if that little guy can win, I can at least play. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, I picked the luge because I thought, it looks like a lot of broken bones, maybe be a lot of quitters. And that's where my perseverance will work right that's my superpower so you got to go somewhere where it'll stand out unreal
0: that's phenomenal yeah
1: so you you know like you were saying uh if you don't quit 90 percent of the people quit from under you and you move up to the top just by attrition rate well and
0: and and the luge is that um (coughs) explain to us a little bit what the luge is i mean we've seen it but like what is it sure uh, if you've seen Cool Runnings, Jamaican bobsledders, right? <laughs> so, okay. Flashback to the 90s, phenomenal.
1: <laughs> uh, so um, that's the bobsled. Same track, right? It's a big, long, three-quarters three, three quarters of a mile long track. Okay. The luge is a little bitty sled, weighs about 50 pounds, and you're laying on your back, pointing your feet. And, and it's aerodynamic, and you're driving the whole way down. Wow. People think all we do is hold on and pray, but uh, we drive, too. Right. <laughs> it's good for your prayer life, I'll tell you. But, <laughs>
0: <laughs> How fast are you going?
1: Uh 80, 90 miles an hour, uh unreal. pulling up to six G's on some of the curves. So I, I weigh two hundred pounds. That's like twelve hundred pounds squashing you against the wall. Uh and, and the whole time, I mean, you're making tiny corrections. I tell people it's kinda like when you're on the freeway and you're constantly making tiny corrections with your, you know, with the steering wheel to stay in your lane. Same thing on yeah. the sled. You're not just you know, it's not a it's not a water slide. You're going to crash if you don't do the right thing. No know? doubt. And how many times have you crashed? So I I decided, you know, at 21, I see Scott Hamilton. I said, I'm going to be in the next Olympics. I went to the library, got a big book. I thought, i got to find me a sport. There's all these East Germans who are already good at my sport. I don't even know what it is. That's a bad <laughs> position to be in. <laughs> I, hate, I hate being behind Germany. Oh, man, I know. <laughs> and so I... I Looked at the summer sports. It took me five minutes to realize you got to be Superman doing any of these things. No way. And I started looking at the winter sports. And I thought, OK, I got to find I'm about to put together a plan for the next four years. You know, I need to it, I, it needs to fit my strengths. And that's how I headed down to luge, bobsled or ski jump. A lot of broken bone sports. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Ski jump. I never skied before. That would have been suicide. Bobsled. You know, Where are you going to find three other nuts? I mean, you got to go to Jamaica for that. And bobsled. <laughs> you can do it by yourself. I mean, luge, you can it by yourself. And so I called Lake Placid. I actually wrote Sports Illustrated. I asked them, where do you go learn how to luge? And they wrote back. They said Lake Placid, New York. And I called them up. <laughs> and I said, I'm an athlete here in Houston. I want to learn how to luge. So I'm in the Olympics in four years. Will you help me? How old are you? 21 he starts laughing he says no way man we start them off when they're eight years old by now you should have 10 years experience no way and i knew that hanging up the phone's not an option because that would have been the end of the whole thing i just kept talking to him telling my life story to buy some time so i could think of something and i happened to tell him that i was born in argentina and here comes the first guy or one of the first uh, you know, god moments uh he goes argentina if you'll go for argentina we'll help you and i said why a minute ago, you weren't gonna help me at all. He says, the sport of luge is this close from getting kicked out of the Olympics because we're not global enough. Wow. Just the US, Canada, and a few European countries. We're recruiting. We're trying to keep the sport alive. So if you go for Argentina, you'll travel with us. We'll lend you a sled the first year. We're gonna have to cram 10 years of learning into just two years. You're gonna get hurt a lot, okay? But we need to do that because the last two years, you need to be competing against the best in the world to try to be one of the best 50, right? You don't get to go just because you're from Argentina. And so I went. So I fell into this win-win, right? If I'd have hung up the phone, I wouldn't even know that existed. That wow. Opportunity. Isn't that crazy? And I truly believe God let me do these four Olympics to help me have a platform where I can really inspire and motivate people to be their best and pursue their dreams and absolutely dig deep inside and you know face their fears.
0: Well, just that just that mentality of not giving up. Um, I love what you said at the beginning of the conversation that you're an imaginative man. You're, you're a dreamer. You have hopes and, and inspiration. I remember reading um, stories from survivors from the Holocaust. Mm. Um, you know, it's the greatest atrocity, one of the greatest atrocities that ever happened. And from these survivors, they had one thing in common. They said that people who could see beyond the horizon... Were the ones that would make it, yeah. Like they could hope, they had hopeful expectation, yeah, yeah. And and obviously your situation wasn't wasn't the Holocaust, but but this innate hopeful expectation that you have to to never give up, to always be looking beyond the horizon. Like, did did your mom give that to you? Did your dad like like where do you think that came from? Yeah.
1: Uh, before I answer that, and you're gonna have to reel me back, okay? Because I go on tangents. I love I mean, it. Even when I'm speaking, I mean, I've been a professional speaker for 20 years. Right. And I usually deputize somebody in the front row. I said, "Look, because I don't use PowerPoint, I speak from the heart. I'll go on on tangents." I said, "You got to reel me back, okay? Because I will get <laughs> lost." <laughs> they think I'm kidding, but it's true. No, but, absolutely. But um, uh, Victor Frankl, right? That's what you were thinking of, right? From Holocaust, he wrote that the, yeah. the book, right? In Search of. Yeah. Search of Meaning, I think That's it was. That's it. And he used to, he was a psychiatrist in the Holocaust and in concentration camps. And they, he used to ask other people this question to get them to think about the future, right? Mm. To, fo- to change their focus uh, from, you know, this lousy place to, he would ask them, what are you going to eat when we get out of here? Wow. Right? He didn't say if we're going to get out of here. No, what are you going to eat when we get out? When What's you the gonna- first thing you're going to go eat? Right. And that got him, put him in the future. And, yeah. and he'd start conversations, and he'd try to keep that feeling going. And those people that had a meaning and had, you know, that future focus, they, they survived. That's and it. the other ones just quit. Just yeah. quit. Um, my, 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 I was born in Argentina. My dad was a chemical engineer with Exxon. I was born in a stinky little refinery town. Wow. And, uh, in 1968, when I was six years old, things were getting really bad over there. Uh, people disappearing, terrorism, mm-hmm. hyperinflation. And my dad, even though he didn't hardly speak any English, he figured out a way to get himself transferred by Exxon to the US. Wow. And we were in Queens, New York for a couple of years, Houston, Venezuela, back to Houston. Uh, I went to college, Houston Baptist University. Uh, Come on. I could never get used to the heat. And so I uh, moved to Colorado Springs about 12 years ago, and I'm staying.
0: <laughs> I eat I'm, the luge in the Winter Olympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like cool,
1: I like cool weather. And uh, my mom, so my dad taught me the steps, right? Because he was the engineer, he was the practical guy. Okay. But my mom taught me how to dream. Because she would tell us stories, back to stories, right? Um, of how, because look, your great-grandparents, or great-great-grandparents, um, they left everything behind in Italy because there was no opportunity then. And at the turn of the century, they, they moved to Argentina because, you know, back then Argentina and the U.S. were the two richest countries. So the Southern Europeans usually went to Argentina, the Northern Europeans went to the U.S. They left everything behind for the possibility, right, mm-hmm. the hope of creating a better life. And then uh, your grandma, she was one of seven sisters, and they lived in a little bitty dairy town in the middle of Argentina. And she didn't like to be in the town. She wanted to be in the city. So that was her dream. And she left everything behind. She married a man. And, you know, she lived the city. And then we left everything behind to come to the United States. Wow. And so she says, we, that's how we operate. That's how winners operate. They're willing to leave something good for the hope of something better. Come on. And so she taught me how to dream. Oh, and my dad man. taught me the, the practical steps, right, of what you gotta do. He would say, books you read, you probably never heard of this before. This is very uh <laughs> books you read, <laughs> people you hang around with, Come right? Because you, you pick up their habits. You hang around That's winners, it. you pick up their habits. All life is imitation. What are we imitating? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so I tell you when, when, when I'm speaking, I, I say, look, I'm gonna help you remember this, okay? You want to lose ten pounds? Start hanging around some skinny people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be riding bikes, eating salad, and it'll just melt off. You no, won't you, even hurt. But uh, and then the third thing, the third big thing that he told me was, he would always say, "Life is tough, okay? Yeah, and uh, it's it's a series of minefields you have to traverse, and the best way." Cross a minefield is to follow somebody who's already crossed it. Just step in their footsteps. Wow. So you have to find the leader, find the person that's not the theorist. Someone that's actually crossed it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they just follow in their footsteps. If you do those three things, read good books, hang around, be you know, winners, and then follow the leader, man, you, could, you could
0: make your dream come true. And that's, that's such good advice. It's so practical. And, and especially today when there, when there are so many men out there looking for a path. Looking for guidance, you know, a lot of men today, and and specifically young men, they didn't grow up with a father, uh, and those who had a father in the home, um, it was an absentee father, right? So I always talk about, you know, two generations ago, men were kind of confident in their masculinity. A generation ago, they began to, to compromise their manhood and masculinity, and today they're just confused about it, like they don't they don't have a path, so. Um, a lot of men are just paralyzed. They're just stuck. They've stopped dreaming, right? What would you say to those men?
1: <laughs> How do you feel when you're wishy-washy like that? Mm-hmm. How does it make you feel inside? Probably not very strong, right? Wow. Yeah. So don't be afraid to, you know, if you have that urge, right, that prompting, uh, it's probably from above, right? Or your conscience it you know, and follow it. Don't, yeah. don't say no to yourself. When you have the prompting to tell something, somebody about something, whether it's your product, your service, or just, you know, I'll take them out for a date, right? Yeah. Don't say no to yourself. If you, if you refuse that prompting, you just lost self-confidence and now you're a lesser man. Wow. If you follow that, Right. Yeah. Hey, you can't say the right thing to the wrong person. Okay, you can, yeah. you know, you could have a Cadillac and a, you know, and rich and rings and all kinds of stuff. But if there's, if she's the wrong person, she'll say no. Yeah, right? you can't say the the wrong thing to the right person. Okay, Come on. so just talk to everybody and let them sort
0: themselves out. I that love takes, it. that takes all the pressure off. I love. It. There's <laughs> a there's a famous uh, psychologist right now that, that a lot of men follow, and he talks about that inside every man is a he uses the term monster. I don't like that, but mm. I, I use the term champion. Inside every man is there a champion, come. right? Yeah. And, and society, how it's emasculated men, is telling us to kind of cripple the champion and kill the champion. What I hear you saying is, man, let that champion out and train him up.
1: Yeah. Train him go up to be it. a
0: four-time Olympian. <laughs>
1: Just go. Take a shot. I competed in Calgary, 1988. That was my first one. Then Alberville, 92. I was eight years in a row, missed seven Christmases in a row because I was sliding, right? Illusion. I couldn't, and I couldn't afford, even though the tracks were closed that week, I couldn't afford to come fly back. Just couldn't. But I didn't feel it was a hardship. I was, you know, because I was focused on the dream. After eight years, I just I'd had enough. I wanted to do different things. I quit for about six years. I was done. Didn't slide at all. And my coach, uh, he's this Austrian Three time world champion, four time Olympian. Um, he uh, starts calling me, Ruben, you must come back. <laughs> Luz needs Argentina. <laughs> they were short on countries again, so he calls me, right? Ah, forget it, coach, I'm done. Quit. Uh, uh, hung up on him. Well, he's a winner, right? He won't take no for an answer. He calls back, Ruben, you know, you, Salt Lake City Olympics, 2002. US Olympic spirit is the best, right? <laughs> he goes, Now, you regret it if you don't go, because he'd competed at the, at the, um, uh, Lake Placid Olympics, so he knew that wow. the US are there's so much more. As so no nah, thanks, but no thanks. That time it hurts. So I don't want to regret anything. I don't miss anything in life. He calls again. He goes, okay, I got a deal for you. All right. Totally lost his accent. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I got a camp coming up, luge Camp coming up in Calgary, two weeks long. You get yourself to Calgary, I'll take care of room, board, track fees. We take four to six runs a day, 40, 50 bucks a pop. OK, meanwhile, we're not working and bills are are mounting, right? It's it's expensive. Yeah. This guy never even bought me an iced tea all the years I knew him. Well, wow. now he's offering wow. me thousands of dollars of free training. I thought, wow, they must really need Argentina. So <laughs> on the spot, I told them, OK, I got a deal for you. I got a brother, my younger brother. He's seen me go to the Olympics twice. I seen the look in his eyes. If That deal goes for him, too. Hey, we got five years to, to Salt Lake. Maybe he can learn the sport. Maybe he can crack top 50. Maybe he can make it. Well, how old is he? He 's thirty years old, thirty years old. Are you crazy? He started coach started when he was five, right right <laughs> oh you got to see this guy's an incredible athlete he's not he's an architect, okay <laughs> but he's mentally strong, so I Let's knew see. he could do it and he's he all right, bring him along, click, hangs up on me. I go to Marcello, my my younger brother, and basically got him to go and he caught the dream he started training, he broke a few bones. You asked me earlier I, First two years, I was crashing four out of five times. It was brutal. Broke my foot twice, my knee, my elbow, my hand, my thumb, a couple ribs. I mean, I was always hurt, but I just kept coming back. I just kept coming back. I thought, when that guy, when I called that guy in Lake Placid, he says, you know, we're going to have to cram it into just two years, 10 years into two years. You're going to get hurt a lot. And then later, he said, look, before you come here, you need to know two things. You want to do it at your age you want to do it in just four years it's brutal nine out of ten people quit when he said that I started smiling I thought this works right to my plan it's awesome <laughs> I right? say what's the second thing he goes expect to break some bones and he hangs up and that got me thinking I thought "Whoa." he didn't say I might break some bones he says I would okay That's so right. so how am I gonna handle it how am I gonna hand, what am I gonna do when I break a bone And I thought hey I've broken bones before you wear a cast for six weeks take the cast off is healed up stronger than before. So it's really a temporary inconvenience. So see, I had a contingency plan. Wow. That guy trying to, if he had a candy coated it, right? Said, yeah. Hey, it's easy. You're laying down going downhill. Don't get any easier than that. Then as soon as I had a crash, I would have quit. Yes. But he, could, I knew it was going to be a battle. And so that gave me an opportunity to put on mental armor and prepare for the battle. Wow. My kids, we homeschooled both of our kids for, uh, from day one. Our daughter, she graduated from Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Yeah. Married another Moody, uh, great grad. school. Yeah, they're they're probably gonna be missionaries because just I just know it. As and our son, he's at Texas A and M, trying to get into the Air Force Academy, but we homeschooled them, not for the education, for the values, right? Wow. We wanted to control the values in the house, and I would tell them ever since they were little. I said, look, life. I pretty much tell him what my dad said. He said, look, life is tough. It's gonna knock you down. You're gonna have bloody knees, but you know what you're gonna do. We're bulldogs around here. No chihuahuas in this house. All right, right. <laughs> you're gonna pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get back in the game because that's what champions do. Wow. And and they're tough as nails, right? They're perseverant and they, they. And I've always prayed, looked for an opportunity to praise them for hard work, work ethic, perseverance. That's N- so good. Never said, you know, oh honey, you're so you're so pretty, or man, you're so smart. No, because then they think they arrived. Right and mentally, yeah. they don't want they'll stop taking chances because they, they don't want to lose that status. Bro,
0: I meet I meet so many young men today that woke up on third base, but they act like they hit a triple. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you know what born I'm saying? in a rich house. I, I <laughs> love what you're talking about, praising those um, intangibles, man. Um, hard work, perseverance, diligence. Right? It makes me think of the fruit of the spirit. Like when I look at the list of the fruit of the spirit, I'm not shocked by what's on the list. I'm shocked by what doesn't make the list. Mm. Success, popularity, right? Intelligence, man, those things didn't make the list. Self-control did, right? Right. Kindness did, gentleness did, love did. Like, Like it's amazing what we praise today and what we value today versus what Scripture and some of those intangible things are, man. Like we don't we don't praise the kid that gets knocked down and, and, and gets back up. We 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 praise the kid that woke up on third base, and it's it's completely it's bad. completely it's, bad. It's a, it's it really is.
1: When I when I speak at a school, I got started. Well, let me tell you how my whole life is a God story. Okay, <laughs> lousy athlete. I'm serious. Okay, I, I was on you. the bench for kickball. I didn't know they had a bench in kickball. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, marginal, not great athlete at all, four-time, maybe five-time Olympian. I can't wait. Made C's in English, made C's in everything. My parents celebrated if I brought i C. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <and clears throat> I've written six books. They've been translated to 10 languages and sold over 300,000. I'm not an Amazon bestseller. I'm a bestseller. Right? Come on, I love and, that. And I'm a shy guy, believe it or not. Okay, I'm an introvert. You get me talking about the Olympics or personal development, and it's Clark Kent turns into Superman for a little while, but I'm Clark Kent, okay? Yeah. And I've been keynote speaker for the last 20 years.
0: I mean, if I don't give people hope, then they're really in a bad place. Come on. <laughs> so. That's so good. That's why I tell people all the time one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Peter because he was such a screw-up. <laughs> hey, Peter when he tried. Can, if, he if was if excited. Peter can make it, that's right. Well, he was bullheaded, just like you said. Peter, man, he wasn't afraid. You said something earlier. You said... You know, faith is taking that leap and 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 expecting a net. Yeah, I heard um, I heard the CEO of Netflix one time. They asked him to describe what it's like being a venture capitalist. He said he said it's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute and hoping to catch a bird on the way down. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think some of us, I think a lot of us need more of that imagination and excitement and sense of adventure in our life whether it's whether it's jumping on a sled and going down a, a a sheet of ice at 90 miles an hour so you can you can experience the olympics or whether it's like you said earlier that girl that's been sitting across you at the office that you've been wanting to ask out for the last year and you haven't had the courage to yeah. do it just
1: do it what well, a dance you know all the all the guys including me back in high school you know all lined up on the wall right there that's you know <laughs> afraid to take that step, That's right? 8th grade, man. man get, Guys
0: over here, girls over here. Yeah, you I know? mean, go for the no, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 what strikes me about you and I man, I've I've so enjoyed getting to know you. It you really are fearless. It it seems that you're fearless in a sense that you're really not concerned a lot about what others think. Like you don't you don't fear man. You fear God. You don't fear man like like you're ready to do what the Lord has for you to do. Yeah. And my
1: first book, it's funny you mentioned fear. My first book is called The Courage to Succeed. Come on. Not My Courage to Succeed, okay? The Courage to Succeed. And I believe that no matter what your goal is, you got to have two types of courage. You got to have the courage to get started, and everything's hard at the beginning, right? So, because uh, you don't have any skills. And so, so you have to stay in the game long enough to learn those skills. So you have to have the courage to endure. Get started and don't quit. Right? Let's go. The, um, the courage to get started comes from believing it's possible. If you believe mm. something's possible, hey, I'll give it a shot. Right? Courage to not quit, that comes from your desire. You want something badly enough, ain't nothing going to make you quit. Come on. I always had the desire for the Olympics, but I didn't believe it was possible. I didn't do anything. When I see Scott Hamilton, everything changed. Yeah. Right? I had the belief, now I'm ready to take action. <laughs>
0: Right. A little Canadian kid.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) if he can do it, we can do it. Yeah. And it's funny when I started speaking, I used to sell copiers in downtown Houston and we sold copiers and shredders. The only building we could never get into was the Enron building. Okay. (laughs) It always walk us out. I thought, man, if I, if if I can sell this, this bottle water bottle cap to somebody at Enron that proves I'm the best. Right. (laughs) And nothing. And we always wondered what happened there. When I found out, I thought, geez, I could have sold them a million bucks worth of shredders. But <laughs> it could have helped a lot of people. <laughs> shred all those documents before they get, get caught. But, uh, not real. But about a month before the Salt Lake City Olympics, which was uh, 2002, a little kid in my neighborhood says, hey, Ruben, when you came back from the Olympics, will you be my show-and-tell project in school? I thought, sure, why not? And I only agree because I pictured... Show and tell, when I went to school, 20 kids in a classroom, everybody's gotta show something off. So I thought five minutes, right? So I took the sled, the helmet, the, the Olympic torch so torch bearer. I thought, no prisoners, I'm finally gonna get my gold medal. I don't care if it's a bunch of fifth graders. <laughs> I go, principal takes me to this big room. There's 200 kids sitting in the floor. He says, you got 45 minutes, have at them. And Mr. Courage to succeed almost ran out the door. I was petrified, right? Wow. I never took a speech class in my life. I was scared. And I said a prayer. You know, I call it desperation prayer. Right, God, what do I do now? And what I felt I needed to do was just tell them, tell them your story, give them some pointers. How they can they reach their dreams? Yeah. And I did, and I didn't die or anything, which is great. And actually, it was kind of fun. And the teacher said, "What do we have to do to get you to stick around another hour? We'll pull the fourth graders out of class. They got to hear this." And second time around it was a little bit better. On the way to the car. Principal's going nuts. Man, you got a gift. You're better people we pay. I said, wow, you, you, you get paid for show and tell? He goes, no, it's a speaking <laughs> profession, man. I was clueless. <laughs> but he got me thinking about it. It was like a two by four, right? I always wanted to have my own business. I thought about it for three days. I thought, you know what? That's a whole lot more fun than trying to sell a copier. Maybe I can change some lives. And uh, if I can sell a copier, I'll probably sell a Reuben too. So I quit my job three days later with a one-year-old daughter and a full-time mom which I don't recommend, but,
0: uh, you know,
1: made it happen. You know, work, pray like it was uh, up to God and work like it was
0: up to us. Come on. Things
1: kind of fall in place when you do and that. You, and
0: you became the king of show and tell. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That, I man. still do show and tell. Um, <laughs> when, um,
1: so I'm at the Olympics. This happened in right before the Olympics in February. Top of the world at the Olympics in February and humbled big time, you know, in August. Food stamps, right? Yeah. And uh, that's what it took for this hard head to realize, man, I, need, I tell everybody to find a coach or a mentor, and I'm not even taking my own advice. Wow. And so I found a guy who was a successful speaker, 12 years in the business and really successful. And I uh, asked him to help me out. And we met, and he made me jump through a bunch of hoops to make sure that I was going to be an action person. So we met at a, a, at a coffee shop. And the first thing out of his mouth is, uh, I don't care if you're a 10-time Olympian, okay? Unless you write a book, no one's going to take you seriously because the author is considered the, the authority of his subject. He wrote the book on it, right? Hmm. It's the business Literally. card nobody throws away. Yeah. He was going on and on so much, I thought, man, this guy must have a publishing company. I mean, I'm getting my guard up. But I thought, <laughs> right. I don't need to get my guard up. He can't get my money because I don't have any money. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and I told him, I can't write a book. I made season English, right? I had this whole case, right? Put together in my mind why I couldn't do it. It was very logical. I made season English. He says, you got a great story. You write it down like it's a letter to your best friend. That kind of English. Don't try to be fancy. And then we're going to give it to some A students. They clean it up for you. That's just grammar. I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. He goes, yeah, it's called editing. So shut up and sit down. (laughs) I mean, he beat me across the head, but he showed me. And so, see, we have all these logical reasons why we can't do something, yeah. which just comes from from, <laughs> from the devil, I think, right? It's all fear based. Yeah, fear-based. That's, that's right. And but we, but it's so you know we create this this foolproof case that keeps us from even taking that first step. Wow. Oh, she's not going to want to dance with me. No, look at me. Not, and you start buying into all that junk, and so i wrote the first book it got translated it's opened up doors all over the world i mean and and uh that led to five more books wow so so you i won't do anything anymore without finding the leader i uh we wanted to climb kilimanjaro always wanted to do that so we found a guy he said you step on every step that i do for the next five days because it's a five-day climb uh you know you you drink when I drink, you sit when I sit, you pee when I pee, okay? That's and right. in five days, you get your picture on top of Africa. And we did it. Wow. I wanted to row in the bulls in Pamplona yep. ever since I was a kid. So I, I wrote three books. I read three books about Pamplona, called one of the authors who'd run it for about 20 years. I said, hey, I need some coaching, right? And he said, don't stand here. Don't stand there. You know, if you fall down, stay down. Don't get back up. They'll get you. You know, they'll just hop over you. think you're a rock. Uh, you know, he says the drunks are worse than the bulls, okay? Right. So keep, keep yourself, don't let anybody touch you because they'll grab you and use you as a shield and they don't even remember afterwards because it was wow. all, you know, adrenaline. Yeah. So he gave me a handful of little tips that probably saved my life. I ran with the bulls twice and survived, right? I love that, Ruben. <laughs> so, yeah. Finding that's important. That, oh, and it that is. Coach. That
0: that mentor, that coach, um, that person that will, that will guide us. You know, I want to go back to something you said. You said men will often... Times tell them lies and they begin to believe the lies. Um, one of the things we talk about on the hard path is, is you know, Satan is not super creative. He's been telling the same two lies since the beginning of time. He's either telling you that you're so good you don't need God or that you're so bad God can never love you. Mm-hmm. And, and And men kind of they oscillate between these two lies. We see it all the time. Men who, who think they're so good, they don't need anybody. They don't need that guide, so they go forge their own path and break a bunch of stuff behind them. Or we see men paralyzed that, man, you know, why would she ever want to dance with me? Or, or I could never be an Olympian athlete. Or, you know, I'm so bad, God can never love me. And they just, they just live between those two lies. What would, you, what would you tell a man today believing one or two of those lies? Wow. I never heard
1: that, but that is so powerful. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> what would I tell them? I, sometimes after a talk, I'll have grownups say, well, what do you know? Well, what, what do you do if you don't even know what your dream is? And I mm. ask, them, well, what was your dream when you were 10, 12 years old? That'll, that'll direct you to an industry.
0: Okay. Come on. Uh,
1: maybe, maybe your dream was to be a, uh, you know, play in the NBA, right? Because you're crazy about about basketball and he's, four foot two and weigh 300 pounds. Okay, stranger things have happened. I'm not going to tell you you can't do it, but you know, maybe you can coach the YMCA team, your church team. Maybe you can sell basketballs or, or memorabilia or work at the front office of your local team. You'll I be involved that. in something that fuels you, right? And you'll be living the dream that yeah, way. So good. Uh, simple, right? I mean, just go do what, what fuels you, right? Yeah. What pumps you up. And a lot of times... I get pushback from people. When I get talking about finding a coach or a mentor, I always get this pushback. Well, those, those people are so busy, you know, they're, I, don't wanna, I don't want to um, uh, impose. And I, I have to explain to them, look, you know how people always say, uh, uh, you know, like, she's successful, but she's not happy. Or he's successful, but he's unfulfilled. He's always looking for something else. Mm. You know why it is? Because everybody thinks that success is the gold medal, but the success is the silver medal. The gold medal is called significance. That means you help somebody else succeed. That feels, that feeling that you made a difference, fills that little hole in your heart, right? Let's go. That You created a ripple effect of success. Uh, You changed the world. You made the world better change, uh, a better place. And so if, as long as your intention is to take massive action and actually act on what they're gonna advise you, then you owe it to them to ask them because you can help them
0: win the gold medal.
1: They'll help you win the silver. You just might make a, a friend for life.
0: Wow. And, Bro, that is so good. That idea of we can all be gold medalists because we can all play a role and a part in significance. Yeah. We can all be um, significant by, by helping someone. I, I have a good friend who always says there's nothing wrong with climbing up the ladder as long as you have one hand down the ladder pulling people up with you that's great man i love
1: that i was uh you know what's going on with messi now in uh in sure. miami he came and he's just taking that team not just the team he's taking the belief level yeah, of, those of those players city,
0: crushing it yeah. yeah they're
1: doing great they 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 believe now they're that's different right. and that's leadership that is the leadership he'll he'll make a pass where he's got the shot but he knows that his buddy needs confidence. He'll make a pass to him because so he, he needs to score that goal. Come on. He's not about racking up the, uh, the, you know, the stats, right? Yeah, he's
0: already got them. Yeah, yeah,
1: he doesn't have to. Gretzky was the same way. He was the leading goal scorer, right, in, in hockey. But he was also the leading assist guy. Wow. And he had this thing where he'd say, you know what? When I score a goal, one person celebrates. But if I do the assist... Two people celebrate. It's Come a lot more fun.
0: Let's go. Isn't that great? I love that mentality, that idea, that uh, that otherly focus that that one another. In the Bible, there's a Greek word. It's used 120, 130 times, but it's it's the word "alien" and it means one another. Huh. And 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 really, when you think about it, I, I know you're a man of faith, and I always tell people God is the original small group. So it was God the Father, God the Son, God uh, the Spirit, since all of eternity. So God is 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 community. And you and I created in His image, Brother, we were built for community. Yeah. We were built to help others score goals. Right? <laughs> yeah, we, right. we were built for that.. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of men, a lot of men needing that today. Reuben man, it's been it's been so good being with you this morning and and I know we're going to have you on the show again. and <laughs> but but before we go today, you know, there, there's a lot of men, um, specifically a lot of young men who, who watch the show and, and you've got so much knowledge, you've got so much history, you've got so much experience. If, if, if you could tell our audience, man, guys, I want you to walk away with these two things, or I want you to hear these two things, whether about being a dreamer or, or, or following your, um, your dreams or, or community, what, what two things would you tell our listeners today?
1: You got that prompting. There's something that's, you know, that you want to do, right? And so, you got don't say no to yourself. Go Come for on. it, right? Just go for it. It's not going to be easy, okay? It's it's going to be hard. You're going to you got what it takes. But you're going to take everything you got, right? right? Oh, you're going to wow. have to dig deep inside. I mean, every time I've gone after a big goal, uh, you you dig deep, right? And the older you get, you got to dig deeper. But you know what happens? I'm training for number five, trying to be the... Right now. Right now. I oh, mean, I'm hitting on. the tracks in a couple of weeks. Right? I got a brand new sled. I'm sliding better and more consistently at 61 years old than I ever have in my life. Why? It's because I'm listening to the coach and applying right away. I wasn't very coachable before. And so find that coach or mentor. i definitely say that, right? Yeah. Follow in their footsteps. Just, just run on their belief until your belief kicks come in, on. right? And, and stay away. Disassociate. From the people, the naysayers. Disassociate from those people because they have the power to take you down. They have the power to create doubt and make you quit before you can get started. Wow. What most people do. Um, just, if you just dedicate your life to the pursuit of your dream, you'll be inspiring people, you'll be making a difference, people will be watching you, and and <laughs> It's not about the dream. The dream's just a carrot that God uses us to get yeah. us to do things we wouldn't do on our own. Whether I make... The first one, it, it felt like do or die. My first Olympics. Yeah. But after that, I gave it my all, but because I don't have the regret if I don't make it that I didn't give it my all, right? I want to know when the chips fall, hey, at least I did everything I could. So hey, I got beat by a better man. I can handle that. That's it. All right. But I want to be able to see that guy in the mirror, right? And smile and look at him in the eyes. But. Every single time, I've had to dig in so deep that I found God-given gifts that I didn't even know I had. Come on. So I became a better person by putting myself through that. And so you win either way, okay? Yeah. The, the dream is just a carrot. It's about the person you become.
0: Oh, wow. It's not the destination. It's the direction. Yeah. It's the journey. Ruben, I've, later today, I'm actually flying to, to meet a mentor of mine, and uh, he always tells me, Chris, there's three types of people. There are those who subtract from your life. There are those who add to your life, and then there's there are those who multiply. And Ruben, I can tell you, man, you're a multiplier. <laughs> oh, thanks, man, man, thanks for multiplying in people's lives, and 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 thanks for being with us today. Oh,
1: thanks, been a pleasure. I just made a new best friend. Come on, I'm with you. <laughs>